Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This thing right here is for my people's Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon <laughs> Yes, 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 today. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about their training staff. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to one mic. Uh, where uh, we're going to get into some Super Bowl talk. It's my man Hank and uh, and your guy D. Wills. Uh, we're going to send shouts out to uh, my guy Phil T and and, uh, and the fellas and and and, and Marcus. Uh, sorry we missed a, a podcast this week. Y'all catch us next. Uh, I got pulled out, but I'm back in, and uh, I'm here with my guy Hank. And it's uh, we're coming up on Super Bowl Sunday, so tonight's show uh, we'll focus a lot on what's going on with Super Bowl Sunday. But as always, uh, our show is brought to us by Carbon World Health. Uh, our friends, Dr. Rodriguez and TJ and the fam over there, go to uh, carbonworldhealth.com uh, and uh, connect with the folks over there and let them know that the real sports guy sent you. And now it's time to get into the show. Um, b- before, in our opening mic, before we get into Super Bowl talk, uh, there's a number of things coming up uh, in the sports world, and uh, I-, I wanted to kind of, uh, we've been doing this, uh, what is beef? section of our conversation and beef everywhere. But I want to start uh, before I get into it, just welcome my guy uh Hank to the to the to the mic a little bit. Uh Hank, how you doing today? I'm doing real good. I know that this is Groundhog's Day and so this might sound like something that happened once before if y'all remember the old movie. But I wanna just say to all the listeners out there I'm giving you all an executive order, the first one of twenty seventeen, to tell you all that you are going that is an executive order that you listen to the RSG family and you enjoy each and every minute of everything we talk about tonight and for the rest of this year. That is an executive order. There you go. And and, and that's one you can 
you can stick to and you can feel good about. Uh, all the other ones, we still trying to figure out what's going on. Man, we, we can probably get into that a little bit later. But, uh, uh, I mean, even the executive orders are having an impact on sports and the ability of athletes to move around the globe. You know, uh, we, we can always get in that. We didn't have that on the rundown, but if we want to get into it, we can get into it. But well, we got beef. We got beef. You know what? And some of the beefs we want to talk about, we, we need to lighten the mood a little bit, you know. There's a lot of yeah. good stuff that's going on. We want to stick on that, you know. We 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 that what we talk about that that was really all out in fun, you know. There's 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 a, there's a time and a place for that, but that ain't now. It's time to kind of step back and get back into what we good at. You know what I mean? That's it. And you know we're gonna take you a little bit away from all the craziness and have a little fun. You know we we'll get deep into issues, but uh, hopefully we'll make you laugh and giggle a little bit along the way as we make our points. Uh, so LeBron. Is like I got enough. I had enough. Enough is enough. He went straight Cleveland. He went straight Akron on him. He went Midwest. <laughs> See, everybody has this opinion about the Midwest, and I always say, unless you live in urban environment or you live in any kind of small like neighborhood somewhere in the Midwest, there there is an edge to everybody. And LeBron brought out what I call that Midwest drone on him. Charles Barkley being uh, having an opinion because LeBron has been, you know, speaking up about uh, the fact that uh, they need more with the Cavs. And he's been urging uh, the leadership, the ownership, and GM to, as he says, I'm the player, they're the other GM and ownership to, to make sure they got the right pieces to make a run. And obviously, you know, he's, he's seeing what's happening in Golden State and is concerned about, you know, if they meet them, do they have enough? Uh, to go at it, and, you know, Barkley basically comes back at him and says that he's whining, he's doing this and, and that, and then shots fired. LeBron comes back and hits Barkley with stuff that we're not used to hearing LeBron say. You know, you know, LeBron has basically been the guy that's been saying, you know, look, I haven't been in, which is true, I've been making this argument for a while. LeBron has not been in trouble. He's not a person that has been arrested. He hasn't done a lot of things. All he's done is try to help his kids in his neighborhood and his community that he's grown up. Everything he's trying to do, he's trying to have an impact on folks. You can criticize whether or not he wants to take game winning shot or whatever, but you can't really criticize LeBron, the man, and what impact he's trying to have, um, not only on basketball and the community. And he spoke out on him. You know, he got on him, Charles, like he's not the one that said he's not a role model. You know, he didn't throw a guy through the window. He didn't spit on a little kid. I mean, he brought out all the wounds of Barkley, who is kind of sometimes takes his moral high ground. And so we want to start there. I, I know my guy Hank has something to say about it. <laughs> we didn't even get revved up on the free on the free talk, and I know you got something to say about it. But That's right. So they, so, so, so they get it LeBron. raw and uncut. Listen. You know, you can say a lot of things about LeBron James. You can talk about him coming out from high school, going right to the pros. You can talk to him about him, all of the the witness and all the hype that, that preceded him before he came into the league. You can get all upset about him leaving Cleveland to go to Miami to win a ring. You can talk about the fact that, you know, he couldn't do it on his own. You can say all those things, and you can come up with a million reasons why you want to hate LeBron James. And I was one of those kind of folks, too. I was one of those LeBron James haters. I didn't really care for him. But as he's grown up, as he's matured, 
you know, he has really evolved a lot as a basketball player and as a man and as a human being. And he's absolutely right. When you stop and you look at his full body of work, and believe me, you're not talking about somebody who was a LeBron lover. I wasn't. But you have to look at the man's full body of work. And he did lay some things out there for the casual listener to listen to as well as the average fan. Listen, 14 years. I didn't realize he'd been in the league 14 years. 14 years. Never got in trouble. Always tried to be an ambassador to the game. Always tried to do things for kids. Always tried to be likable on the court and always brought his A game to the floor. Okay? And did everything he could to win. You know, any, if, he, if his name wasn't LeBron James and he'd gone to a four year university or something like that, people would be loving him. Okay? In contrast, right. okay? In contrast, if you're looking at Charles Barkley, you know, you want to just look at Michael Jordan. Okay, Michael Jordan got into some trouble with gambling and stuff. Mike, LeBron ain't did none of this. And then here's one of the biggest thugs, antagonist, one of the biggest bullies, if you want to, during his playing time on and off the court, a snot-nosed face rat in Charles Barkley, got something to say about everybody, ain't won a damn thing on his own or with somebody, kissed Michael Jordan's butt after Michael Jordan has whipped his butt in the, in the finals, and all he does is hate. I'm glad. I thought it was refreshing to hear LeBron James getting his grip. And he did it in a nice, kind way because he didn't cuss. He didn't call him out of his name. He just called it out like like it was. And like you said, you could go right back and check the tape, as they say. You could check the history and say, yeah, he did spit on the kid. He did throw somebody out the window. He did party at Vegas and all these different things. Go look it up. You know, so he, he checked it. But, see, this is the thing with Charles Barkley. Unfortunately, Charles Barkley won. You know why? Because he got LeBron off his game. But I was glad to hear him say it. You know, you know, D, if you would have been around the hood, one of us, we'd have probably had to get censored, you know, because we'd have probably said something we had to still <laughs> be right. uh, apologizing for. <laughs> well, listen, the crazy thing about it, man, is that is, look, this young man is committed, it, 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 and I I don't always understand it, man. You know, you know my mother, man. And yeah. when the finals going on, I call my, my my mother and I have never been. I laugh, we laugh about this all the time. We've never been on the other uh, on the uh, opposite side of anything. You know, we've had uh, you know my mother and my brother. You know that they, they sometimes will he he can be another head sometimes, but he's got <laughs> a great thing going. You know, and I follow behind him, so I knew mm-hmm. to kind of keep straight and narrow. So we've never been on the, uh, I think, on the opposite side of anything. In the finals last year, I had never heard my mother. I'm like, look, this man, she was against LeBron. I'm like, mama's against LeBron. I'm like, what is going on? How are people viewing this young man? I said, I said to my mother, look, I know Steph Curry got that baby face and everything else. But all LeBron is, LeBron got the Akron promise. What athlete has created an initiative to send his whole community to college? Like, like, like you could say a lot of things about him. And when my mama was on it, I'm like, wow, people have a warped view of this person. And it wasn't until Phil, Phil uh, took me to a, a Cavaliers game, and it's when I understood the pressure that he was under. That was when, if you, you know, before the season, I, I mean, before the playoffs, I had to take Golden State. I went to see mm-hmm. the game. It was like game five or something like that against Toronto. And when you can only understand it when you're in the arena and understand how much they are leaning on, you know, and Cleveland hadn't won anything. 
they were leaning right. on something and how much pressure he was on. And it was like he had a triple-double going, and the camera, the, the big screen was on him, and and they were waiting for him to look up. And when he looked up and he saluted the crowd, they went, wow. But you, at that moment, I understood, wow, this cat. And he's been handling ever since he was 18, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. How many people can handle that kind of limelight? Instead, you hear about all these kids, these child actors and all this stuff and all their horror stories. Uh, the whole new edition just came out and, and watching the documentary on them and everything else. He's managed to work his way through life and have, have any of those setbacks. And, right. you know, so I'm glad. And then the thing about it is he finally went after Charles, and then he still took another shot at Phil. He was basically, like, this was like this was like LeBron's version of the ether or Jay-Z Paco. He's just like, basically, I'm going to put this out here. This is my diss track, and I hope y'all try to come back. It was, he, 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 he went scorched earth on it. And like you said, he went scorched earth on it and did not and, and did it with class. That is hard to do because you know he wants to say some things and bleep it. But he still yeah. maintained, even though he was mad, he, he said, this, this is a family show. <laughs> I'm going to make sure what know, I say can be played in front of the kids. He did. He said, though, you know, I'm not going to have him just keep on tarnishing my legacy. You know, he act like yeah. he don't want to be where he's at. He's a hater, you know. And so, you know, he, he he wants to retire, but he can't. So what? basically he was putting his business out there, Charles Barkley. But the thing about it was he still understood. And this is why I got to give him a lot of credit. You know, like I said, if you're not if – you, if you can't see the maturity, the maturation process – of LeBron James, and you're simply not paying attention. And that's where, you know, if you're really paying attention, if you're an NBA fan, if you're a sports fan, okay, he's not just a name, okay, he's not just this flamboyant, you know, uh, prima donna that, that, that he could easily be. He, he is growing up, and it's refreshing, and, and, I, and, and, I'm, one of, and I'm, with, I'm just like your mom. I couldn't stand him. You know, I didn't like what he did. I didn't like the fact that, you know, he left Cleveland, all of those things. But as a human being and as an individual who clearly understands that he is the face of the NBA, the way he carries himself, a lot of that, I believe, was very well calculated. And I think he was very smart on his part to say, I've had enough. You know, I'm tired of, you know, anybody who's got a mic in their face can say whatever they want to say, and I'm supposed to sit here and take it. I'm not doing it, yeah. all right? I'm not going to let him right. tarnish my legacy. He hasn't done nothing. He ain't won nothing. Okay, how is he going to talk about me being a whiner when he left the, He left Philly, he grinning, skinning, and grinning with Jordan? I, was, I thought, amen, bravo, brother. I felt good about it. I'm glad right. he said what he said. And I'm glad that he still carried himself with enough dignity as the face of the league not to go – to uh, Charles Barkley's level, and then let him beat him with his experience. I'm glad he didn't do that. And, and basically said, "Child, my name is my name. <laughs> Keep my name right. out your mouth." <laughs> I said, Ooh, "All right, man. Let him know Midwest stand up." You know, I was, right. I was, I was happy for him. You know, but then a little farther west, in a place called the Windy City, there's some other stuff brewing. <laughs> We get we get Dwayne Wade and Butler coming out talking about the team he's played with more heart, and then we get the 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 other one. We we, we just talked about the chosen one, 
We about to talk about the other one. We get Rajon Rod, who decided I'm gonna be the leader of the youngins. <laughs> he right. speak up for the youngins and talk about how the leadership is all crazy. I don't know what is going on in Chicago. But the thing about it is, we predicted that this was not a good formula. If Jimmy Butler is your guy. I, think, I believe in bringing Wade in because I think you brought Wade in for the right thing. Bring somebody who can mentor him to the level where you want him to be. The Rondo pick, you know, bringing him in, you know, you know, having three guys who you know, are basically can't spot up and shoot, you're clogging up the lane, all the reasons that people have articulated. But you got three people who, are, who have an alpha personality too. Um, and there's no way to do harmony and you don't have a strong head coach. And so we, we 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 saw them unravel a little bit. So it's obvious that you know Butler and and Wade had their, their shower conversation, came out with their core gas statement, and then Rondo's like, I ain't having none of that. He gonna hit him up on Instagram and he gonna say, Hey, my three leaders did this. When you look at that situation, who do you blame? I blame Rondo. You blame Rondo, the, Rondo. the general manager. You you blame Rondo. I blame okay. Rondo. Let me okay. see why. Well, if you're going to play, you if you want to go higher, and the GM, the owner, anybody who was stupid enough to think that that guy was going to be a team player in Chicago, mm-hmm. all right. Rondo mm-hmm. has got a track record. All right, he was in Dallas. He was in all the, in, in in Boston. All these different places where he didn't fit in. You could say that he was one of the most premier guards out there, you know, with his game. But the dude had attitude problems. He's a locker room cancer. This isn't new. If you look, all you got to do is reference why is it that he's moved so much with the talent that he has. He's a locker room cancer. All right? They couldn't even hold on to him in Dallas. He had to get him out of there. So now you got Dwayne Wade, who is a proven leader in this league. He's in Chicago. He's trying to help mold these young players uh, into championship caliber, at least get him into that mindset, and here come that cancer again. All right, now what he said was the team didn't play with no heart. Now that's really not the worst thing you can say about a team. We didn't play with no heart. We see it all the time. Okay, we we, we, we was lethargic. Mm-hmm. To, we, didn't, we didn't play well. We got to play with a little bit more enthusiasm. We got to play with a little bit more energy. We got to play with a little bit more heart. And then he going to come back, well, you know, and come with the Instagram thing, you know, where – but. But that's Rondo. That's Rondo. But you're right. Mm-hmm. You you go to the GM. If you feel like, if you felt, if if there was any, you know, inkling in your body that you thought this was going to work, the question you have to ask yourself is why? Because it was written down right there. It, it was, the proof was right there that it wasn't going to work. That was oil and water right there. Like you said, you're going to have a, a I'm, I'm going to clean it up for our, for our listeners, a stuff measuring <laughs> contest. You know, which somebody was going to, you know, lose a blank. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. And and what I would argue is I think fundamentally Rondo was probably right. But the thing about it is, given your recent track record, you're not in a position to deliver that message. Exactly. You're not the voice box that they needed. No. Yes. Yes, you don't have a head coach who is controlling that locker room, and you know. But you know, when when they when they made that decision around Hoiberg, I was like, I don't know. 
You know, I, I watched all these teams in Iowa. I used to, I used to win in tournaments just because you knew they were gonna get bounced with all that tournament, with all that talent, all that talent. You knew there was something about the fact that he didn't have kind of control of that team. They would play loose. They would do whatever. And I just didn't feel like he was going to be the kind of guy who could lead it in Chicago. But Paxton and all these guys, that was their guy. And they're going to run Thibodeau out the, out the, out, out the building. And, and Thibodeau created a locker room and, a, and an attitude in those guys that wasn't just going to leave. I mean, they're used to being coached hard. They're used to being um, have a demanding space. And then you bring somebody who's 180 for that. And so, and then you bring Wade in, who I think could, could play in that kind of environment, um, trying to then be the kind of surrogate coach because he sees it not happen. So I think right. that you know that I don't know where they go from there. You know, you don't want to you don't want to lose some of the young talent you have on that squad. People like Valentine and some of these guys you know can grow, but they're gonna have to make some decisions here quickly about you know where they're gonna go with it because that that roster is uh, is, is having some problems. Uh, uh, right now, and uh, you know, Rondo. In some ways, they're gonna find a way to move him out. In a way, of course. That's that's his mo too. He he, he he moves himself out. Yeah, but this is like, in some ways, this is kind of the this is kind of the thing you want from Rondo and leadership. But it's the thing that's gonna get moved out, which is. He, he can get moved out for much more than this because he raised up a sense of which. Like I said, the the substance of what he said was right. It was just like he's not the right messenger. So do you move him mm-hmm. out because he said the right thing, but he wasn't the one who was supposed to say it? But then you're like, well, who's gonna say it? The coach isn't gonna say it. The coach ended up sitting both the guys anyway. So that meant Rondo was right in some way. Remember, he didn't start him. So right. in some ways, Rondo uh, Rondo was right. <laughs> he was he was vindicated because they ended up sitting both players in the next game. So it was obvious that, and it, it was obvious that even though people like what Rondo said, it seemed like the GM and leadership sided with Rondo's position. So, you know, if they move him, they move him. You know, it's bad he got moved on something he actually um, was doing the right way. So, well, what we they did was they, if they they started him because what uh, Butler and, and Wade did was show up to coach when he said the team yeah. didn't have no heart because that comes down to how they're being coached and, and what's going on on the bench yeah. and what's going on in practice. Yeah. So that's why they got sat yeah. down. And so you can look yeah. at it that Rondo came back as a retaliatory, but still, all right, like you said, that he's not the messenger. You We'll, we'll continue to look at this one. We'll stay tuned. But you know Wade yes. ain't going anywhere. Yes. So. Yes. yes, you 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 know uh, Wade, Wade's not going anywhere. They don't want him to go anywhere. And, and the thing about moving Jimmy Butler, we'll talk about that at another time. But you know, I, I don't understand what what they're thinking about when they're thinking about uh, uh, moving Jimmy Butler. Well, when we come back, we're gonna get in a little bit. It's signing. It was signing day yesterday. Uh, you know, as 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 Bomani Jones would say, it was choosing day uh, in the pimp game. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about just the idea of signing day. We won't get too much into the details of signing day, but the whole setup of signing day in a way, is, you know, is there is there a better way to do this uh, for the student-athletes? So um, I know there's a little bit of legislation that's out there uh, around um, uh, the signing period that, that might change it, but, you know, we'll get a little bit into that when we return uh, after this uh, break. 
that experience. You you have people jockeying. You have some people taking, you know, last minute taking scholarships off the table because other people become available. I mean, a lot of this stuff is happening last minute. How do you feel about that, Hank, and that experience? I've been thinking a lot about this. I have too, but, you know, let's, Let's let's go back to what you said when when you first started. It, it, this was old school. This was the way, you know. You you had a long recruiting period. And this was the way before a whole lot of TV got involved. This was the way schools would get get their players. They would let you kind of know what's going on. You would look at all these different uh, recruiting um, sites, you know, or or or, or what you call uh, articles back in the day. Uh, Tom Lemming, for an example, was was one of the one of the big gurus of recruiting, and you know his poll would come out, and you if you scored high in the Tom Lemming poll, you had a good recruiting class. You know the thing about it now, and where we are right now, is that recruiting and National Signing Day has become college football's version of the draft. That's really what it is, because you today you know more about these high school kids than you probably would have known or cared about even five years ago. All right, you know who the number one you know who the number one uh the number one uh, recruit is. All these different things. And so where we're trying to say that you know what's in the best interest for the student athlete, which is to probably sign at to this, a letter of intent as soon as you know what school you're gonna go to. You know, for the average student, that's what we do. If I'm going to go to Western, if you're going to go to Beloit or anything like that, it's like, okay, I'm signing, I'm going to school, I'll start getting ready. But you get, but, but when you're talking about football and the uh, big money machine that it is on both sides at the pro level and even at the amateur level now, okay, you've got to keep that hype machine going. You've got to keep it going, all right? College football has its place in February. Because of National Signing Day, the bowls have been over since the first uh, week of January. All right. So what anybody been talking about? They've been talking about these recruits. Who can you get? Who's you going to take scholarship? And it puts the coaches in a position of a general manager. It puts coaches in the position of owners and schools in positions of owners to try to cater and court these kids. The difference between the college game versus the pro game is that pecking order is not there. So I can go steal somebody uh, from you, and and just like just like Michigan did with uh, Aubrey Solomon stealing him from Georgia. Okay, the only reason why I know about Aubrey Solomon Solomon is because the hype machine that is recruiting right now. Okay, he's just another high school kid who may or may not pan out at the collegiate level. But we know about him because of what's happening right now. It, and, and as much as folks say they want to do some legislation, it's not going to happen. Because when folks see, and if anybody, and Jim Harbaugh has started it, believe me, he started it. If anybody can figure out a way to hype up recruiting, can hype up National Signing Day, the NCAA is going to get involved with it. It's going to become, it's already become to a lesser extent, it's going to become a, a televised event just like uh, the, the draft is all of a sudden you got kids announcing with this big and everything is becoming more and more and more hype. So as much as we think it's it, again, it was just something that happens. If the hype machine is on about this, and you watch and pay attention, and you'll find yourself knowing kids right out of high school all the way through their pro career, 
And that's that never happened before. And again, it's it's NCAA's version of the draft. And and you know how we love it. Right. After Super Bowl, watch what everybody's gonna be talking about. The combine and then the draft. And I love it. And I'm hoping to get maybe get super someone on to talk about this a little bit more intimately. But I think you get some really good points. Um in a sense, and I think part of the problem, so, you know, now that I'm trying to get familiar with this process even more intimately, you know, there's a weird period. So right before the signing day, um, so like the 2017 class, um, there's no contact with those students. I think it's like two or three weeks or whatever it might be before the signing period. And that's good for top the top, um, you know, 25% of recruits, but that's bad for – the other 75% of recruits who are jockeying, who are trying to, um, you know, uh, get themselves in a space where people can see them. So, I mean, you have a rule that's designed for your, you know, one through, you know, 50 who are probably getting calls from like, you know, you know, 35 schools, but you got all these other recruits, sorry, all these other recruits who need to, have this level of engagement right before the signing day, who can't? And coaches can't. They can call coaches, but coaches can't call them or they can't mm-hmm. call them back. And so it's a weird dynamic because, you know, it's a rule that, again, was built for the top, you know, 25% of the pool, um, but it doesn't help everyone else. And so there's a lot of, like, I think, technical things around really trying what we call in the admissions world goodness and fit. You know, in athletics, I think, you know, beyond those top recruits, those top – 100 or whatever you want to put it, there then becomes an opportunity for goodness of fit and people will be able to get in space. And when you cut the communication, you can also have a negative outcome. So there's some things that I've, I've noticed, particularly in this crunch time where, where um, you know, people are jockeying things, are switching, particularly with those top uh, uh, recruits, and then it's kind of a domino effect that opens up for some other folks that they can't quite position themselves because of, the limited ability to have communication. So there's something I haven't figured out, like, what the solution could be to that. But I always get nervous well, when well, 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 here, here's the thing, to protect see, the top 10% of the yeah, team. Yeah, here, but here, here it is, all right? And like I said, I don't want to keep on like, – I don't want to sound like it's a love fest with Jim Harbaugh. But he, 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 he touched upon <laughs> some are. things. I mean, he touched upon some things now that that is very innovative – and why he did some of the things he did. And instead of the NCAA and the SEC coaches sitting here and just trying to buck him, what they need to do is pay very close attention because what Harbaugh did with the satellite camps, D, is set up almost a, again, a NCAA-level pro day, NCAA-level combine, okay? Because what he did was going around and hosting uh, satellite camps, getting the kids you're talking about an opportunity to get in front of coaches to be seen, okay, to have a good camp, to have a good understanding. Get these coaches, these position coaches, to work with some of these kids who now become your diamonds in the roughs, okay, and having their whole card peeped and all these sort of things. They're seeing kids they know got the talent. They're seeing kids they can be quiet on and then go and recruit quietly and silently, okay, and bring them into the fold while everybody else is getting a big name. And think about this a minute. It's really no different than the NFL where you know who your top draft picks are going to be. But what makes your team is what you get in the third round beyond, 
okay, beyond the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round. Who do you pick up there? So when you look at the when you look at the collegiate game, who are those three stars, those two stars that you saw that may have not all the hype? You can see they may be naturally gifted, naturally talented, may not have all of the skill set, may have all the skill set, but may not have all the technique. That's what this is all about. If you look at it as a whole, if you look at this whole process as a whole, going back to the satellite camps, going back to high school tape, going back to uh, personal tapes that's into these schools, then you go to National Signing Day. All right, you know these coaches are sitting down and they're saying, okay, I know that, you know, Joe Smith from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, that ain't nobody looking at, has got a lot of upside. So when you look at it as a whole right there, what you're doing is you are really mimicking the pro game and how they're doing stuff on a lower level. Now, what they're trying to do is leave some rules in place for the NCAA so they can still frame this thing as quote-unquote, you know, student-athletes. But it's really the same thing, all right? And some yeah, coaches, satellite camp stuff is basically their combine. Yeah, and I think you hit something on the head. And, and, and even the ruling, the recent ruling about the satellite camps and also um, trips off campus when school's not in session, the one off campus, like, take, when he took the team down to Florida and did it, you know, NCAA talks about um, – you know, wanting to balance, you know, this this balance between being a student athlete and their academic life. And I would have rather them say, look, if you do do that, you have to you have to have some type of um, academic engagement experience, right? You know, so like what Harbaugh's doing, like taking the uh, the students to uh, taking his team to Italy or Europe. You know, he's a historian. He's going to have an educational piece to that, and for me, you know, when you when you you you're working with kids, uh, many of whom are uh, working class from working class families, um, and other maybe from situations where they never had a chance to see uh, the country. In some ways, even some of those kids who have come out of Florida have never been out of let's say out of Miami, which I you know I've worked with a lot of young people who have never been out of their urban environment, even in their state or in their city. You have people from Chicago who've never been off the South Side, been to the Gold Coast. They've never been on Michigan Ave. And so if you if you build in some type of educational experience while you're there, and maybe it's approved or whatever, I would rather have seen them go in that direction rather than banning. You know, on these campuses, they do alternative breaks. They do a whole bunch of stuff during the break. And now you're telling me that the football coach can't take, you know, his players during that time. And, and if you have them have an educational aspect to that trip, so it's not just about the football. I, I think there's other ways they could handle it in, in the same way with these satellite camps, in a way that could be much more educational. Uh, but they've always opted to control the money. And for me, that's something that, uh, that somebody's got to be able to see differently. You know, I, I, when, I, when I heard them like, okay, you can't go off campus on any breaks and, you know, if their school's not in session, I'm, if you want students to have any kind of, student athletes to have any kind of um, uh, high-impact educational experience, it's going to be in those spaces, in those times that they're going to be able to do it. And so if you cut that off, what else are they going to be doing some of this stuff? You know, you're mm-hmm. not creating pressure in any other way for, for these coaches and folks to be creating these experiences. So, you know, I think they missed the uh, opportunity there rather than trying to, you know, uh, appeal to the interests of a few. 
you know, Nick Saban and some of these people complaining about stuff who, who aren't really interested in these kind of educational things, from what I can see, other than making sure their kids, you know, he, you know he's not, he not aware of elections, he's not politically astute, he's not doing all that stuff. You know, at least that's the public thing he puts on, you know. Um, and so I don't know how much he's investing in the education beyond football. Well, that's the thing, okay, and, and because it, it's a religion down south. We know that. All right. That's why the SEC thinks that if anything goes against them, they got a right to complain about it. All right. But but when you when you have and and this is a problem with the NCAA as a whole. Okay. When you just you have a a, a innovator or you have an idea that goes against what it's always been, they pose it as some sort of threat to the establishment instead of really trying to look at it for what it truly is. Everything has got such a cut-and-dry opinion. Oh, if I take my team to the IMG Academy, oh, that's going to impact recruiting. Knowing damn well you only got so many scholarships you can offer. You can't offer to the whole academy. Okay? So if you're doing things to give your team experience, instead of sitting there and, and immediately wanting to ban things, how about this? How about regulating it to the point where others can get involved? If you are truly concerned about the student athlete, then make it so the student athletes that we're talking about right now, the three stars, the three and a half stars, that's not getting all the hype and the hoopla, not getting all the press, not getting all of the, the tape out there, can get in front of some of these coaches, can get to some of these uh, institutions of higher learning and play football and, oh, yeah, by the way, perhaps get a decent education because maybe they're not going to make it to the next level. You're only going to get so many of any of these kids make it to the NFL in the first place. So why don't you make it so that you have at least an avenue for them to get out in front of some of these coaches, get out in front of some of these other schools, and make an impact to get a scholarship and at least try to get an education instead of just focusing in on that one thing that a couple of uh, boneheaded coaches is, is, is concerned about, and that is you getting all my recruits out my backyard. Yeah, and, and the thing about it, the answer could have been, well, you can't do it on a uh, on any organizational campus that also has uh, a high school entity. What, what that could do is, let's say, let's say um, this is a, this is a great this is a great comparison. When, when they had the big cheese league, where all the teams were coming to Wisconsin to do, you know, uh, their their kind of preseason camps, it did wonders for those communities. What if what if what if Harbaugh would have gone to Florida and would have worked out at let's say a Division three school or another place that by him being there the income that could have benefited that athletic program and that institution for renting out that space and time would have had a benefit to them as well, you know, and he's got these students in Florida, right? So you you can say you can't be at a, an academy that also has high school any association to a high school student. Well then. Maybe you could be on a Division II campus, and by Michigan and the money they're spending set up, what would that what what would that do to boost, you know, revenue for that institution? But now they're able to practice down there. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there's ways in which you could do that and have it benefit and do some cross benefit even across um, division levels. Some of that money transferring to some of those institutions, um, you know, maybe that's what you say. You know, if you're going to do it, you got to. You find a Division two or Division three campus to do it on that helps to benefit them financially too. You know, there might be ways in which you, you get that kind of revenue going there, and 
you know, people get exposure to those teams. Right. But you got to get the NCAA to get out of the mindset of let's just ban everything because I got a couple of coaches pissed yeah. off at, at this new innovative idea and do exactly what you say. Say put some put some regulations yeah. around it just so that you can still be able to get out in front of the athletes, but maybe you kind of tamper it down just like you're saying so that you're not stepping on some toes or not purposely stepping on some toes, but actually start to focus in on what is in the best interest of the student-athlete. But but as long as you've got the dollars, you know, continuing to mount, continuing to grow, then you're going to get these sort of things. And it's going to become what it is right now. It it, it really is trying to take the prettiest girl to the prom. All right? That's what National Signing yeah. Day has become. You know, I, I got the prettiest girls. I got the I got the I got the best looking car, whatever else. Oh no, you don't. Okay, then come the season, we see who did good. All right. Um, but again, it's going to be it's going to be a hype machine because it's a way to get college football, keep college football, you know, on the front page, you know, through the first, you know, week of February into going into uh, the spring games. Spring practice. Well, we'll we'll, we'll hit more on this uh, uh, on some of these things around uh, uh, college football and uh, what's going on. Obviously, uh, winning is a lot of excitement. A lot of people's lives have changed for the minute, for the moment. Uh, you know, coaches are happy, as you said. You know, we don't know the impact of these classes. You know, you take. There's some programs like, you know, like Wisconsin, the folks, you know, they're never ranked, but they develop players, and those players end up doing a lot of great things. You have people who have incredible classes, and, you know, those players might not develop. And so it's, it's interesting to see uh, what happens with these young folks uh, beyond putting that hat on. Um, and hopefully, you know, if, if the NCAA wants to do something, you know, make those SEC schools um, have more than the minimum number of uh, intercollegiate athletic sports. Like, if you're going to be in the Power Five, you know, why don't you, maybe you should have, you know, at least 21 intercollegiate athletic sports. You're bringing that kind of money, you know, um, in rather than the minimum. There's some other things they could do to, if they want to talk about equity uh, rather than, you know, Ohio State having, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26, maybe close to 30 intercollegiate athletic sports in Alabama having like 14. Um, so that more money could be put in football. So if you're looking for equity, there's a way to do that. All right, we're going to turn the page. It's Super Bowl week. It's about to go down. We're going to start with, um, as we start to turn the corner on our podcast, we're going to start with just the whole Super Bowl week experience. You know, they 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 move from they move to this kind of opening night where it's it's now they're um, uh, kind of like uh, when they're doing their big press kind of uh, interaction with the players and, and everything else, and what they call an opening night. You got you got the NFL honors. Uh, you got the state uh, of the NFL with uh, uh, Commissioner Goodell, which was, from everything I'm reading, was not a good look. <laughs> He's struggling in so many different ways, but we'll, we'll get to that. He's talking about, but that kind of opening night concept, you know, what do you think about how they're framing the Super Bowl week, man, uh, um, and uh, the experience leading up to it? Um you know, what's been your impressions over the years? Do like you think they're getting a, getting a handle on it um, in terms of how they're shaping the experience? A lot more people are participating. Her sway in the morning down there. they got a whole bunch of people coming down and, and, and being part of it. But how, how are you seeing the way they're, they're beginning to frame this? Well, I, I, 
I see what they're trying to do. Again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. They're trying to stay relevant before the Super Bowl. They want to get the hype machine going. You know what? I have mixed feelings on it because it's like they're trying to do a whole lot of things that to to stay out there, stay stay relevant until the the big game. But people really don't get ramped up. You know, they they try. You know, they they the the whole thing they did with the Pro Bowl kind of going back old school, the NFC, AFC, and everything. But again, it it all of it is is just preliminary, and people don't really start paying attention until the Monday. Uh, the week before the Super Bowl and media day. So everything prior to that is almost like, oh, yeah, oh, that was on. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't get that. So the NFL needs to probably just kind of cool it. I think that sometimes it becomes annoying. All right, you get enough hype during Super Bowl week. And it gets somewhat annoying when all the time you're looking around, you, you're trying to do something NFL-like where uh, it's all hype. I mean, this is just my opinion. It's all hype, and it's like, how much more can you hype it, all right, with, with everything? It's, it, again, I guess one man's opinion is just like, okay, if you're going to do it, do it all the same week. Everything else is just kind of like, okay, it becomes a snore fest. It becomes almost, the game almost becomes anticlimactic to everything else you're trying to do. Okay, sh- shut it down. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that I would say is I like the fact that they brought the Pro Bowl you know, back to the to the mainland. I, I am too. You know, and uh, it's, it's important. And I think that I think I've been listening to all the conversations around the Pro Bowl. This is what I say. You know, what can if the Pro Bowl becomes kind of a family experience, the game is just part of it. But if it's about an opportunity for you to get closer, so if you book in the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl weekend, what it does is it allows you to really get close to current players and great players. One of the things I heard. Uh, a, a media person saying uh, who um, is a beat writer, but you know is kind of emerging in a in a space, and so is not a, a dominant beat writer in terms of being able to have access to uh, the, all the players on the team. He said one of the beauties about being at the Pro Bowl was that you could sit down with a Hall of Famer and have a thirty minute conversation. And so mm-hmm. to me, it's about acceptability. I think spend less time. The game is a game, but if you create an experience where fans have access to these players and can engage with them in ways they never would, then that makes for a great football experience regardless of the game. And I think the Super Bowl week is the same way. I think part of the NFL's problem is this tension between the front, the, the office, the NFL office, and the players. If they had the kind of harmony that I think the NBA players have with Adam Silver and folks like that, I think the week. I think part of the cloud over the week is the tension. It's the Roger Goodell and Brady. It's the. It's the. It's it's the. It, it's not a. It's not a coming together. You see NBA All Star Weekend. It's like a family reunion. Everybody's hugging. All the ex players are hugging the commissioner. You know, uh, even when Stern was the commissioner. Even at times when they came together, it was like a family thing. And I think that's part of the problem for the week is that. The reason why it, it might not stick the way it should is because of that tension and that misalignment between the players and the the, the leadership of the NFL. They're not aligned, and that I think that affects the environment and the energy, both in the Pro Bowl and some of these other places. But they just focused on that. I think the experience could be great for the fans. 
I'll give you know what what they did. I think I will give them a a, a nod on having the Pro Bowl uh, in Orlando, Florida versus Hawaii. I think that when you start talking about making it a family experience, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, it's a lot cheaper to travel to Orlando in uh, in 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 late January than it is to try to get out to Hawaii. There's more to do there. Okay. Uh, and you can't, you know, and, and it, it, it is a good experience. They went back to the NFC, AFC. You do get, you, as you stated, uh, I give them a lot of credit on that. I think I think that I will give them a, a, a nod on. But you're absolutely right. You hit it spot on. Because there is so much tension between the front office and, you know, the and, and the players. And, you know, they've made it very clear that they don't like Roger Goodell. In fact, the fan base of the NFL don't like Roger Goodell. And if you talk to your average or your avid NFL fan, they'll tell you that he's ruining the game. And the game is becoming boring and stagnant since he's been the uh, the you know the commissioner. It's going to be a very interesting dynamic on Sunday. You know, I think that that would make great theater in the event that the Patriots win. That, that, that That's going to make some great theater to watch how that looks. You know, I doubt, you know that, I mean, no disrespect to the Atlanta Falcons, but I think that a lot of America, you know, while they're not, you know, may not be rooting for the Patriots to win, really wants to see the interaction between a Tom Brady and a Roger Goodell. We we had this on one of our talking points in our rundown. What do you think that moment is going to look like? That's going to feel awkward. You know, Man, someone, that's gonna be that. You know what? That that was that's about as awkward as 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 uh, uh, Donald Trump talking to Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. That's how awkward that would be. Okay, that's how awkward that would be. I'll tell you, there was a there there was that that's what that would be because look, Tom Brady has taken a lot from the league. Okay. Whether you whether you uh, believe it or not, I've never seen a player that had no sort of domestic or even criminal uh, injustice and was suspended for four games, and then to come back and have the season that he has, and is one game away from winning his fifth Super Bowl. So you're talking about a player that surpasses the player that they wanted to, you know. Uh, crowned the greatest of all time in Peyton Manning last year. That was a love fest. So imagine, if you will, comes Tom Brady, and he's winning his fifth Super Bowl ring, and he is named the the MVP of the Super Bowl. And here's Roger Goodell that has wasted all of the NFL's money and time on this doggone uh, deflategate BS. All right, when he's got bigger fish to fry in this league, he has to present Tom Brady with the the, – MVP trophy, yeah, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it because so much that because I want to at, at the expense of the Atlanta Falcons. I want to see it because it really does frame Roger Goodell as a buffoon. All right, that that he had really does not have control over his league. He's a, that he's another one of these megalomaniacs running a, a sports league, a league into the ground. You know, and and it's time for the owners to pay attention. Yeah, he, he won't go anywhere as long as the owners are making money. But let's face it, D, the NFL is becoming very boring. Now, some of the playoff games were interesting. Well, the the, the 
Cowboys-Green Bay game was probably the most interesting game of the whole, exciting game of the whole playoffs. But the rest of them was blowouts, okay? And a lot of why the players are frustrated, they're frustrated with this with this uh, commissioner. And so, yeah, a lot, I would love to see him with that egg on his face, with that, you know, stank-eating grin on his face. And he says, congratulations, you earned it. You know, I would, and, I, and you could just see it in Tom's face when he tells him to F you. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and Brady's pops was all on the radio, all up there talking about he doesn't deserve to be on the stage. I mean, it's just getting a little bit out of control. But yeah, I'm, I'm, if that moment happens, I'm definitely going to be watching closely to see the the, the, the facial uh, reactions. As you said, both teams kind of had their way um, uh, coming to. Uh, uh, on their route to the uh, to the to the championship, and we were going to spend a little bit of time on the pathway, but I, I wanted to maybe uh, start with kind of some keys to victories for both teams. You know, as you um, are analyzing and thinking about this uh, Super Bowl, what are some of the keys that you see for both teams in terms of what they need to do to be successful? Well, for Atlanta, it's really simple. They got to play defense. Okay, now they they did fairly well, inspired in the Georgia Dome, knowing that that was going to be their last games in that stadium. There was an inspired football team. They 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 played inspired. Uh, they were one of the top ranked offensive uh, teams in the league all year. Quietly good, you you know, Atlanta was one of those teams D, that we didn't talk about a lot. Okay, uh, I think I think. Uh, Game changer, one of the guys was on the show was talking about Atlanta, and I think we laughed him off the show. But uh, they were quietly good. We laughed him off the show. We talked about everybody yeah, else. Yeah, he, 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 he was saying that. He wants to get back on the air, so I think on our next podcast. We're yeah, come you back tell on. him he was spot on. We laughed him off the show because we, we would talk about everybody else, and Atlanta was just one of them teams. We just said, no, not not this year, not ever. And they just kept on doing what they were doing. And if we were sitting here, we were talking about the resurgence of the Dallas Cowboys. We were talking about the gunslinger that's uh, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, he you know he did drop the ball and kick it out of bounds about Matthew Stafford being an MVP. I, I just wasn't buying that car. But I'm saying this was a quiet, good team. Okay, they were not the team people were talking about being a Super Bowl contender until they ran away with the South. But even that was fool's gold to some people's eyes because New Orleans, Carolina wasn't there. Tampa Bay was still a young team. Okay, so uh, quietly, but but what they did to Seattle, what they did to Green Bay after the run that they had, opened up some eyes. But the thing about the Atlanta Falcons this year is that they rank 28th in total defense in the league of 32 teams, okay? You're talking about a New England team that ranks near the top on defense, and you know you got Tom Brady on offense that can make me, you, your brother, and maybe even your mama look good as wide receivers, okay? I mean, he just makes whoever is around him that can catch the ball look good, okay? That's how. That's what Tom Brady has done in his career. Make no mistake about it. 
you got a team that's motivated. This quarterback missed the first four games of the year on a bogus suspension, and now they're coming back with blood in their eyes. And the last, and he wants this one. He wants to be go down as the greatest of all time. But the key is for Atlanta, they have to be able to play defense. Okay, they're going to have to stop. Uh, they're going to have to be able to stop Tom Brady because he's going to try to score. And then they're going to have to be. They're going to have to show that the hype and the hoopla that is the Super Bowl does not get to this team as it did the first time they played. One of their main players the last time they played got suspended out there partying, okay, against Denver. So they need to come ready to play and be ready to win because I'm telling you, the Belichick and Brady are going to do just that, be ready to play and win. So, you know, one thing, and you mentioned the, the defense. So in some ways, you know, Dan Quinn could be, you know, this next generation of, you know, of people might view him as kind of that Belichick mode. I mean, this is a smart guy. This is a guy who's a defense coordinator for Seattle. And you mentioned, you know, Atlanta's defense. And, and I, I would say over the, he's been building this over the, the last half of the season, moving into the playoffs, that defense is beginning to, to peak a little bit. Um, he, he had a lot of young guys in the defensive backfield. You got Raheem Morris as his coordinator. So you got really good defensive minds, and they've been kind of building this in the mold of the Seattle defense, getting them together, getting them to trust each other. Um, they got a lot of young parts. Um, and uh, I think the key for them, I think the key to beating uh, uh, New England is you, you've got to play some man. And part of it is you've got to disrupt route and timing. So, you know, they they got Beasley as a, a, as a rusher that can get put some pressure uh, on, uh, on folks as well as Freedy. But, you know, Freedy's a little older, but if you, can, if you can disrupt the routes early and not let those guys get off the line, I think that's the best, play, best way to play. I couldn't believe the Steelers never got up in got physical with them. You know, they didn't play that zone, and Brady will kill you with that. You mix it up right. a little bit, but I think if you get up and you get physical with them at the line and disrupt the timing enough for the for the, the rush to get there, I think that's the way you beat them. And then I think you beat their offense with good offense, right? Mm-hmm. And get, So you get them off the field, and then I think Atlanta has the ability to have good offense, meaning that they have so many different folks they can go to. If, you, if you're looking to take out Julio, you got to be on those backs coming out the backfield, you know that running game they got. The tight ends can catch, and then you got Sanu, and you got these other guys who can who can take advantage of Gabriel in the passing game. So I think, you know, I think if they can stay patient early um, and get those body blows early, they can they can they can do it, you know. And I think what you'll see with Brady with a young defensive backfield, don't be surprised if you see Temple. And this was, you know, you saw against the Steelers. Steelers got a young defense. And what he did was he started going tempo. He goes, tempo, you know, young guys got to think on the run. <laughs> They're going to make mistakes. And so you saw guys right. not in their zone, leaving their zone. You know, they lost, Steelers lost because every time they turned around, the guy was leaving his zone. You know, he was he's supposed to be in the, on, uh, on the zone by the hash, and he was running to the middle of the field, and there was a guy wide open out there on the release valve. They did that happen a couple times on key third downs. And that's why Brady, those guys go tempo, particularly if you're young, they're going to use that to kind of confuse their defensive backfield. If they can handle the tempo, because it's going to happen, you know, he, go, he, he might not do it the first drive, 
that second drive, if they have some problems, I've, I've been watching. Once they have some struggles, know that they're going to come out and go temple. And they'll come out in a half. That's one thing you'll notice. They'll come out in a half, and they'll start running no, uh, up-tempo, no-huddle offense. And if you can if you can play against that, then you can get them. Whereas I think Houston did a really good job of handling that tempo. When they went tempo, that man-to-man still disrupted their routes. And so I think uh, that's what you got to do. And on, on, on defense, watch Belichick likes to get his linebackers in those passing lanes. You know, underneath coverage, place a man underneath guys coming under, getting a linebacker in those zones, getting their hands on balls, knocking things down. But if you can, if you can really start to isolate some of those players, those linebackers on these running backs, uh, because they're big linebackers, so they don't, they can't really move in space that well. Uh, you know, I think that's your your your, your opportunity. It's going to be a good game. I mean, you got a good offensive coordinator uh, uh, in Atlanta. Um, you got to, you know, you got Quinn, got control of that defense, and then you got Belichick and folks on the other side. You know, it's it's going it to be stuff for a good game. And we'll we'll, we'll do our predictions here uh, in, uh, in a minute. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get too much into that that, that yet because uh, you know, we gonna we gonna tee that up here in 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 a, in, a, in a little bit in terms of who we think is gonna win uh, the game. Uh, I'm still going back and forth as we speak uh, about where we uh, about who's gonna win. Um, one of the things I like to dig into a little bit, uh, and then we'll take a break here and, and come back, is is how do you think each team will be changed by a win or a loss? So let's start with Atlanta. Um, if Atlanta wins, what do you think that does for a franchise like Atlanta in their in their history? Listen, you're talking about a team now that's gotten to this is their second. In franchise history In a city That only has One championship Okay, The Atlanta Braves A World Series championship It's going to You know for it, It's going to do For Atlanta What the Cubs winning uh, For Chicago did Because Atlanta is a long franchise they've been, in, they've been in Atlanta now For 50 years I believe At least and that's that's a that is a defining moment for that franchise. Okay, for Matt Ryan, he now becomes one of the elites in the NFL. You know, Matty Ice now has uh, some hardware to go along with it. Okay, you've got a young coaching staff. All right, the expectation goes up there. Um, they now become the crown jewel of the NFC South. Okay, it's no longer New Orleans. They're waiting for Drew Brees to make their resurgence, okay? And, and and it does a lot for that franchise. It does a lot for that city, all right? And, and especially in a year where, you know, the Georgia Dome is now going away after this year uh, to, to a lasting legacy will be that they hosted the world champion Atlanta Falcons. I think it really galvanizes the city of Atlanta with another championship, uh, again, you know, not not to the to the extent, not to the greatest extent as the Cubs did for Chicago, but pretty much there. You know what what the, what, the, what the Cavs did. Excuse me, what the Cavs did for Cleveland is what this will do for Atlanta. Another team drought of a championship for you know over almost thirty years now, over thirty years now, uh, or near it. 
that's what that's what this will do for that for that city for that franchise. Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, the team that you know they had the the Dirty Birds going, uh, got there and you know fell short. As you said, you know, uh, was it Eugene Robinson? You know, the 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 man of the year uh, got in trouble uh, 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 the night before whatever uh, the Super Bowl and um, some activities he shouldn't have been in. Um, you had you know Michael Vick had that city on fire, had a run, went up to Green Bay. Uh, shocked the world, you know, and then they come crashing and burning with the, you know, with the with the issues with when they had, the, you know, he got caught up with the dog ring and, and the fighting and everything else, and the city thought it would never come back. They draft Matty Ice. He comes out the gate. He's supposed to do something. Then he has some crazy years. Um, you know, they have their coach leave. He goes back to college. Um, they have all kinds of craziness going on, and then they find Dan Quinn, who stabilizes and gets them back on track. Um, and you know, he's still, you know, he's not he's not old. He's a young guy. He still got some years on him. They win. They got a lot of good pieces there. They got Julio right. Jones, who maybe you know the best receiver in football. You know, um, I heard somebody describe him as a combination between um, uh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald and uh, Megatron. <laughs> that's quite a com- that's quite a combination. That's a heck of a combination, uh, right there. <laughs> right there, um, <laughs> doesn't say a lot, you know. And what's amazing about him is, in a world of divas, he appreciates being a decoy. <laughs> like I've never seen an elite receiver who understands the value of being a decoy for overall winning. Come double team, I'm gonna catch at least two fouls anyway like 100 yards, but come double team, he understands how that plays into the game plan for the rest of the team to get open, and he's okay with that. You know, and uh, I think, you know, you know, I think uh, uh, our, our, our guy, uh, the genius over there, he's up late at night trying to think about how to stop his offense. So, uh, like you said, I think it does um, a, a, a world of difference for them. I think a loss um, I think a loss for them isn't going to set them back because I think it, it it would be – at first I thought, well, you know, is this something that would throw them all the way down the road? I think the way that Quinn is building that defense, that can travel, it's young, they got this experience, you know, they got to be the favorites coming out of the NFC next year. Um, and I know the old the adage about the loser of the uh, of the Super Bowl um, um you know, might have a value the next year, but I feel like they're like the Seattle of the of the of, of the NFC East in a sense. The way he's building it, and build it to win, or you know, the old Tampa Bay team. I think he's building it a way to win, and I think he's continuing to tweak that defense and that offense is strong. You know, so I don't think it sets them back, but I think, like you said, I think you know, being a Super Bowl winning franchise would do so much for Atlanta um, and the city and. It's a destination place for free agents. You know, Atlanta is a place where people like to go and live. So, you know, if you can show you can win, you can also be attracted to free agents. I agree. I mean, I don't think no. What you saw this year, you can't like like I like I mentioned. They ranked twenty eighth in the league in defense. Do they still got upside? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it's the end all be all. Uh, for Atlanta, um, the fact that they weren't supposed to be there this year. Come on. 
You know, Dallas and Green Bay were the darlings, okay, that were picked to come out the NFC. It was not the Atlanta Falcons, okay? So the fact they were they were probably the fourth pick, you know. Some folks even picked the Giants to come out of the NFC. So all of those things, they're playing with house money right now. You're talking about a team that, uh, you know, is, is a year they're into the Super Bowl, you know they're going to, you know, you know that they have a dedicated and a committed owner in Arthur Blank. He's going to do all he can to make sure that team continues to be successful. So, no, even with a loss, I don't think you can discount the Atlanta Falcons. You know, I think that they're here to stay for a little while, and it's going to be kind of fun to watch as, as they uh, get better and as the Cowboys get better. You know, that's going to be something to watch in the NFC now. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, when I, when I look at, you know, I was just trying to take a look at even, uh, the, you know, their defense. When you think about um, uh, kind of how they play um, uh, here uh, here lately, um, you know, they they their defense is showing up. You, so you can tell that they're, they're growing up. And even when you look at their season, you know, they had some, you know they had some really good games defensively, so you can show that you can see that they're they're learning as they go. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and so that it's been interesting to look at even some of the games that they had um, and the way that they dominated. You know, Seattle. Um, you know, physically and how they got after Russell Wilson, and then you saw what they did to you know, Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, that defense is growing in some ways the ranking is misleading because of the youth and how they've grown over the years. They're probably playing more like a top-half defense now, right, mm-hmm. than their overall ranking shows. So that's going to be – when you look at the other side of the coin, the Patriots, you know, this is – this is it's interesting. This is an organization that even though, you know, people are tired of the play gate, they did get caught with Spygate. <laughs> they did have the Hernandez issue where he just went crazy. No, this is this is not an organization without wars, right? And so, you know, but it's still got this level of excellence around it. So obviously Brady wins another championship. That puts him at the top of the heat uh for quarterbacks. Um, you know, that puts Belichick in a certain place. That's incredible. Kraft as an owner, you know, uh that puts them in a special place. You know, they're they're that Mount Rushmore secured, you know, along with those those forty ers and those Steelers and uh, those cowboys, you know, you got those 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 organizations that are the standard bearers, right, uh, for the league. Does Brady walk away? No. Is he tired? Does he drop the mic or he don't come back and do it to him again? I don't think he walks away. Um, and the reason why I don't think he walks away is because I think he still loves the game. Okay. Um, but that's a very good question. I hadn't thought about it, but I think that. Uh, um, it, it, it's important to him for that fifth Super Bowl ring. I think it's important to that uh, to that organization, especially how this year started. Let me here, here's one thing about the New England Patriots that a lot of people don't understand. I know we hear we talk so much about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steel Curtain. We talk so much about the San Francisco Forty ers and the Gold Rush and all that sort of stuff. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys and their run. We talk about the lovable losers in the Buffalo Bills 
and 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 the Denver Broncos with John Elway and with um, Peyton Manning. And but look, do you realize that the New England Patriot franchise has gone to nine Super Bowls? Nine Super Bowls. That's more than anybody else in the league. And Tom Brady has appeared in seven Super Bowls as a starting quarterback. Those are records even before they even play the game, okay? He will have appeared in seven Super Bowls, okay? Two of the, and see, here's where Groundhog Day really kicks in, D, because two years ago, you remember two years ago during the Super Bowl, the Seattle-New England Super Bowl, I was saying the same thing about him being in six Super Bowls. And I said the same thing about two of those Super Bowls that he lost wasn't his fault. He was in the lead when David Tyree made that amazing catch. If Wes Welker <laughs> catch the ball on the sideline, they win that game. And now we're talking about a quarterback who's already got six rings going for a seventh. Okay? So, yeah, we're talking about legacy here. Okay, with the with the New England Patriots, you can say all you want to about Spygate. You can say all you want to about Deflate Gate, but I promise you that this this team has won ten ball games every year. Tom Brady has quarterback every year, and the year where he hurt himself, they won ten games there, and that's the only year they didn't make the playoffs. This is an amazing franchise. I don't care if you like them or not, okay? This has been a dynasty of a franchise. And the crown jewel has been this coach and this quarterback. You know, it might be old home for the rest of the league, but this was truly greatness. I'm pulling for him, obviously, because he's a Michigan man, and I want to see him get his five, okay? I really do. I think that would just be awesome. But if they don't, I don't think it should diminish anything that, that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady did because they were at the top enough that teams had to knock them off. And that's saying something. And I promise you, being a Detroit Lions fan, I would wish just for a third of what they got as to, of the success that that franchise has seen. Well, you know, and, and I would say all of that um, – you know, I agree with a lot of what you're of what you're saying. Um, you know, if they lose, I mean, you got a quarterback. You kind of got that Eli thing going with uh, Matt Ryan. <laughs> you know, this guy that you know, the little engine that could, you know, showing up. If if they lose, what does that mean? You, you the way you describe it, it's nothing. Well, if they lose, and, you, and it has to be how the game transpires, okay? Uh, if if Atlanta goes out there and blows their doors off for whatever reason, it's going to tarnish a lot, okay? The, the, the sickest thing about it don't have anything to do with football. It's just that if they lose like that, that means that Roger Goodell escapes with his dignity, all right? That's what that means. <laughs> That's all that means, okay? But I think that the thing is about it is you know that, that if they lose, you know Brady's coming back, okay? 
Mm-hmm. If there's any question about him calling it quits, he's going to call it quits with a victory. Okay? I, I, I would think, you know, initially I'll say, oh, yeah, he's coming back. But if he if they win, he might want to ride off into the sunset with his five rings. And I could see that. I really could. But a loss, okay, they're going to retool. They're going to come back. All right? And they're going to go again. But if the league, if you if you want to really cast doubt on on this New England franchise as it is right now, then they need to win this game because then yeah, you might see Belichick say, "Okay, I've done it all." You might see Brady say, "Okay, I've done it all," and I don't and I don't have anything else to prove. I'm going to take my beautiful wife and my kid and ride off into the sunset and start doing TV. But uh, I think that a loss only makes them come back for one more run. That's the way I feel about it. Well, look, it's almost that time. It's that time (laughs) for to put it on the line. Now, before we do that, every once in a while we have Super Bowl, you just said Tyree, we have an unsung hero, <laughs> right? So before we make a prediction about who's going to win, I was trying to think about who could be the unsung hero. And um, if, if I'm looking at it uh, from the from the from the uh, uh, Patriots side. This is a cat uh, that is always on there. Everybody's thinking he's going to reach his potential. He's either injured or not. But I can see him maybe having a big game receiving uh, Amadola. Yeah. Being that guy that, that is that that he's never realized his full potential that they thought come in here because of injuries and everything else. I think this might be a game where – He's like that 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 third fourth receiver that puts it together. You know they're gonna focus a little bit on Hogan because Hogan had these big games, but Amendola might be that guy that ends up having a, a big game and being that that unsung hero from the Patriots side. Uh, who who you think from the Patriots side might be that unsung hero? Well, you mentioned it. I was gonna say Chris Hogan. I think mm. that you know you're gonna be looking for Edelman. I think Blunt is another one you might want to keep an eye out for, okay? But I, I'm saying Chris Hogan. I say Chris Hogan because, you know, he don't look the part. And it, and it just seems like that there was a little glimmer, uh, a precursor in that Pittsburgh game. This cat could not be covered for some reason. So I'm looking at uh, – I'm picking Chris Hogan just for that reason and that reason alone. All right. Now, I'm going on the Atlanta side. I'm going to go with the old school. I would think this is what he's going to try and harken back to his youth, is Dwight Freddy. Man, I think he took my Dwight Freddy gets <laughs> two stacks to, to, to turn back the clock. You know, he's a guy with Super Bowl experience. You know, the old man over there on the defense, he figures out how to muster the fountain of youth. And he's all over Brady like like he, Brady might look like he might be he thinks he's playing against Denver again. <laughs> you know what? You, you, you took that one from me. 
because I, I feel like in order for Atlanta to win, they they their their uh, their um, defensive front line has got to put pressure on Brady. They've got to do the same thing that uh, uh, the linebacker for for uh, Denver did last year. What's his name? Uh, help me out with the name. Um, He's escaping me right now. I can see the brother. He's dancing in the commercial. <laughs> Start me. What's his name? Where? Well, <laughs> no, he did. He did the PlayStation some crazy clothes on. Uh, can't remember his name. Anyway, you guys, we'll get it before the show is out. But uh, that, you, you're going to have to have a disruptor that way. And I was going to pick Freeney. And I'm still picking Freeney, so we're just going to have to go on there because I just feel like that middle of that line has got to – they got the pressure up the middle on Brady if they're going to win. I think Matty Ice and them are going to score points, so that's too easy. Okay, that's not unsung. But I think that, uh, that Freeney has to be the guy. And that defensive front – I'm picking the whole defensive front to be the one that, that's going to have to put pressure on, on Brady for them to have a chance to win. Well, you 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 are you are uh, 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 trying to put, put it put it down on them, and uh, you know it, it's going to be interesting whether or not they're going to be able to, um, you know, uh, to do that. But you know, like you said, there there, there is no other way uh, for them to uh, to make that happen. That they're going to have to make sure that. Um, you know they uh, 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 are, are on top of things and, and, and making it happen. So uh, as we get here, I'm, I'm going to let you. I think you were talking. You were talking about Von Miller, right? Von Miller, thank you. Yeah, you were talking about Von Miller, but uh, Von Miller was uh, a beast last year. So that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, and he had Andre wearing Von Miller, but uh, yeah. So. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it like this. My prediction. Man, I've been going back and forth on this. Um, I'm going to say I just got a feeling this is a year of the weird, man. I think Atlanta going to do it. If they shouldn't, there's no way in the world they should beat the Patriots. I just think the Patriots got, you get Belichick anytime he's going to be able to do it. But I think Matty Ice has gotten to a point where he's not going. He he doesn't need to force the ball to his number one. And he got that offense. I think this is Kyle Shanahan. You know, obviously it's just one party before he go. He, he goes out there to San Francisco and messes up. <laughs> and and I, I just think it's going to be Atlanta. It's going to be something like uh, thirty-one. 28. Okay. Atlanta. Well, that's a good pick. And 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 I and, and I feel you. However, I just feel like when I when I think about this game and I just think about watching that Patriot team dismantle Pittsburgh and they dismantle Pittsburgh. Um, that this team is 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 got a little bit more in mind than another championship. I think that Tom Brady is looking at his legacy. 
I think that he uh, and and Belichick. This, you're absolutely right. I think that this this might be their final hurrah. And I think that you know behind closed doors that might have been said. Uh, this quarterback has an opportunity to win his fifth Super Bowl as a starter. I don't to take nothing away from Atlanta. I think Atlanta is going to play a very inspired game. But I think that what you're going to see is going to be legendary, like we saw last year. I'm taking New England. I'm taking them 38 to 21. Uh, I think that Atlanta is a year away. I think Matty Ice is still Matty Ice. I think this was an amazing season, but they did win both of those games in the dome. Um, and so, I'm, and so I'm, I'm 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 going with legacy here. I'm going with the the greatest of all time, and I'm picking New England. Well, you heard it. You're on the opposite side. What else would you expect with myself and Hank? You know, we're going to look at each other eye to eye. You know, we'll be back, you know, in, uh, next week with our podcast, reflecting on the outcome of this event. Uh, my prediction is that Dan Quinn is seen as the next Belichick. That's what we'll be saying on Monday. Like, is this the new Belichick? Is this the new, you know, guru coming in? Um, he seems like a great teacher. And, um, and he's one of these defensive coaches who appreciate offense, but then you got the guru, you got Belichick, you got the blueprint, and you got Tom Brady. It's going to be a great game. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, thank you for sharing your time with the Real Sports Guys. Check us out on realsportsguys.com and, and follow us. We want to hear back to you. And please rate us, give us a five, show us love, give us some feedback. Until next time, we have no more to say. Peace. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.